I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm I'm not super happy bringing other people onto the pod because I don't like it that sometimes they're better than us. Yeah, they. But they've been more prepared. I don't think they've been better than us. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like pretty much everyone we've had on the podcast, and that includes like Anton Full, yeah, are better at this than we are. It's a podcast about rugby. Jeez, Ben, I've just started and you're already sighing. <laughs> right? I didn't yeah. sigh. I, I heard Maybe Michael sighed. You, oh, you don't know. Oh, well, I guess, well, I guess the segue. Um, yeah, Ben and Alex are here. I'll ask how they are later. They're not that important. Joining us today, uh, making, making their debut on the pod, it's uh, Michael Charles. Uh, how are you, Michael? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the pod. No, absolute pleasure. We we look forward to you telling us all about uh, the sneaky tricks that Eddie Jones will have, have up his sleeve for the World Cup. Uh, uh, I understand you're not even in the UK right now. No, so I, I live in Mauritius, actually with Ben, believe it or not. Jesus. We flashmates and we didn't wow. even realize. <laughs> <laughs> It's, 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 a, it's a small enough country that he effectively lives with me. <laughs> Next door neighbors. Yeah. Well, thank, look, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, like everyone else has had the unfortunate pleasure of being at the beginning. You heard all the sausage uh, being made. So uh, you know that's the real magic, as Alex was saying. So you know you can, you yeah. can, you can tell your grandkids about it uh, later on, back in the next back in the day. Alex, how are you? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm. Oh, bless you. Um, I'm okay, thanks. Uh, it's a bit early in the morning for me, but uh, I made it up in one piece, and so I'm I'm okay. Good. Uh, good. How was your uh, your TI land last week? Oh, dude, it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, the, we support OG. Uh, the one guy supports Team Liquid, but everyone else supports OG. Uh, so yeah, the only thing better than OG winning last year was OG winning two years in a row. Mm. Um, sorry, spoiler, spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched the TI9 Grand Finals uh, yet, but OG uh, won. Yeah, and it was a stomping, sorry, for the spo- spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, good. Uh, no, I'm glad. Uh, I hope you, you're full of vinegar for today's show. We, go, we, go yeah. lot, we have a lot to discuss. And of course, Ben, okay. um, how's Mauritius? I was going to ask Michael, but I thought I didn't want to take away, you know, your, one of your key parts of the pod giving us the weather report in Mauritius. Yeah, like, 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 with, without the, without the house Mauritius with bed, like, what, what's the point of even me, even having me on the pod? Pretty much. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, we, we got a, we got a public holiday on Tuesday, so it's a bit of a weird one, you know, going into work on Monday and then having a public holiday on Tuesday, but, yeah, no, it should, yeah, it should are you, shaping up for quite a nice week. Are you and Michael going to go play golf? Do you play golf, Michael? I actually do play golf. Oh. Best friends. Yeah, seriously, where are we going to play golf? I'm excited now. I'm on it. You don't need, you don't need, you don't need, to, you don't need to deny me on air. It's fine. You can just send me a message saying that. No, thanks, Ben. I don't, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Okay. That, uh, right. Let's. Uh, let's. We've got a ton of news to get through. Some good. Some bad. Some uh, just uh, unfortunate. I guess the major piece of news coming out of South Africa this week. Uh, Apiwa Dianti, 
who was uh, pretty much the poster boy of South Africa rugby last year. Uh, I don't know if he won any awards. Alex might be able to tell me. He pested, t- pested, sorry, he tested well, positive. I mean, sorry, before you go on, he was he was the breakthrough player of the year in world you. rugby. Yeah, so I, he I has won some awards, yeah. No, I, I couldn't quite remember, thank you. Uh, also, like on the face of many a product, Super Sports Marketing Campaign with Super Rugby, etc., etc., he's tested positive for uh, a banned substance, and he's already had his B sample tested. Uh, and just to quote, I'm not going to quote the whole thing, guys. A South African Institute for Drug Free Sport, they said he, he tested positive for multiple antibiotic steroids and uh, metabolites. And the substance apparently, mm. forgive me to any chemists that are listening, uh, it's a met. Uh, damn it, I feel like I need an for this. Uh, Metanodionine, uh, meth- methyl testosterone, and LGD4033. That sounds like a TV. But um, yeah, after his first sample was tested positive earlier this week, following a test on July, te- July 2nd uh, during the Springbok camp, he asked for his B sample to be tested. And unfortunately, it came out positive. I know Deontay, he released a statement prior after, excuse me, after his A sample tested positive, mm-hmm. uh, denying the allegations. And also, in, in fairness to him, he did apologize. Uh, to his teammates uh, and uh, pretty much all stakeholders of the game uh, for disappointing them. They don't want to take words out of his mouth. But yeah, his B samples tested positive, so SRAB will be in wider. Uh, they've all been informed. And the bottom line is he's facing a ban for four years. So uh, I don't think that we should talk about guilt or innocence. Uh, but these are just the results spoken about. Overall, uh, just as a South African rugby fan, incredibly disappointed really. Um, a real shame. I'm sure he's a player a lot of people looked up to. And, uh, yeah, but maybe the story will have a bit, far, bit more to rumble, but the results do seem quite damning. Uh, Michael, from your outside perspective, just uh, the fact this has happened, does, does it surprise you at all? Yeah. I think it's a, a big shock. You know, it's always interesting now in the game, how far we're into the professional era, that guys are still getting picked up for taking performance-enhancing drugs. I just, I'm always blown away Whenever a news story breaks like this, I just can't believe that somebody in that kind of position would um, take that risk. You know, even if he is, mm-hmm. we don't talk about innocence and guilt, but I don't know. I find it mind blowing that mm-hmm. you would take that gamble mm-hmm. at the peak of your power potentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, pretty much. Alex, I know. Look, there's a, a shit ton of uh, chat in the group about this one. Obviously, just what any of you yeah. on this? <laughs> um, it's. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about this not just this incident particularly but like the whole kind of culture of doping i mean i'm kind of with michael so like it does blow your mind a little bit you're like why would anyone if you kind of apply it to your own job right people don't kind of like inside a trade all the time or like plagiarize uh, maybe they do but i don't know it just doesn't seem like it's as widespread like people taking this kind of a risk which highlights i think how competitive the sporting sector is like how how difficult it is to get an advantage over people and how much mm. difference an advantage can make and why people are driven to it in the first place at the same time like it just seems so rife you know every time mm. a story like this comes out you find yourself thinking like is this is this just the tip of the iceberg like yes Jaji got caught now but like is this the first time has this been going on for many years like or did he because like for me there's there's two questions right the first is was this part of his like desperation to get back into contention for the Rugby World Cup? So once he got injured, did he mm. what did he feel pressurized into doing something taking this risk because there was so much on the line? 
um, and he knows that he probably won't be around because he's a bit older than other guys to play for the next Rugby World Cup. So he thought it's now or never, you know, got to roll the dice. Or, like, and th- I hate I hate to think about it this way, but they're, they're having people asking this question, was he only ever good because he was doping the whole time? Um, you know, right. there, there, there was that whole thing about it. How he got tested in June, but then yeah. he got retested in July, and he got so. So I think something to do with him trying to recover quickly from an injury mm. seems to be more. It seems to suit that yeah. timeline better. It could yeah, be. Yeah. Get tested multiple times a year, five, six yeah. times a year, maybe in some cases. So yeah, I, that's why I find it bizarre. You know, you know yeah. you're going to get tested, and you're going to get tested yeah. regularly. Why would you take yeah. the gamble? Yeah, and I mean, but, but, but it is, interestingly, it is like I think we should just we should we should entertain the possibility, no matter how small at this point, that that there has been a mistake made or that for sure, like he's he's not necessarily innocent as such, but like maybe he was just given bad advice by a doctor. I mean, he's he's not a chemist or a pharmacist or a you know a sports scientist. Like he doesn't. There's a chance that someone like fucked him over, right? Uh, and I'm not talking about the conspiracy theories. We could talk about that just now if you want, because that's been quite entertaining. <laughs> that but was like, great. Fucking my pimp, these people are spiking him. It's obvious, guys. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, it's possible that there's like a doctor who gave him bad advice and was like, "Look, don't worry about it. Like, this is it's it's this is not a bad su- a banned substance. This is something that will help you recover, but it's perfectly legal." And he was like, "Okay, cool. Well, if you say it's legal, then I'll just go with it instead of doing his own research or something." It's a tiny, tiny possibility because, you know, he's a pro athlete. Like, these guys know about this kind of stuff. Um, but I think based on all the evidence before us, like, we have to kind of go with the assumption that, that he knew what he was doing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, also, also it's, a, it's an anabolic steroid. Yeah. It's not like... It doesn't sound like one of these... You know, like Ashley Johnson, where it was like... A, some sort of weight loss thing or a few other mm. people where it's been like the flu medicine which has the masking effect, you know, that sort of thing. This is full-on anabolic steroid, eh? And, yeah. I, and I have heard people say that the only way this can enter your system is through injection. I don't know, I don't know how true this is. Mm. But if that, then come on, you've you got to have more... Because, you know, because he's also, he's just switched supplement companies. I know we're chatting about it on the group. <laughs> that now yeah. he's sponsored by... I forget the yeah. three-letter SKL supplements or something like that. So then, obviously, people have been saying stuff. Or well, maybe it's maybe these guys were kind of walking the line a bit, a uh, bit too tightly. Or yeah, something. That, that, that we're not sure about. Just to state that this is just conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole, yeah, the whole thing. we don't know. We don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, sorry. I just yeah. uh, very quickly run, running interference, Ben. Before we make. Uh... <laughs> So. We're trying to get sued over here, Adam. Before. I can't afford it. Adam, this is the only way the pod's going to get big, is, is, if, is if we get sued. <laughs> yeah. And we, we, we dragging Michael down with us as well. Yeah, sorry, Michael. You, you know, you're liable. You're liable for all of my comments yeah. now, Mike. Great liability. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, the power yeah. word for the matter okay. of me is, uh, look, beyond, beyond the professional side, I know we've always heard whispers that at school level, uh, they're big issues uh, over drug use and so on and so forth. And even if we go back to the 2007 World Cup, uh, we just we, there were also whispers about certain teams or players who uh, might or might not 
uh, have been using drugs, that sort of mm. thing. Just whispers. Uh, nothing proved, nothing like that. And I won't go into any further detail. If you're a South African rugby fan, you probably know what I'm referring to. So anyway... Like, uh, like, like Cornell Hendricks. Having uh, a good season, eh? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, well, look, we'll leave it there. It's a bit... A bit uh, quite, a, quite a sad one. Uh, we'll probably hear within the next month kind of what the sanction is. It'll be interesting to see what Deanti does in regards to uh, his testimony and the plea he puts in, whether he goes for a due sentence or tries to fight it. But um, I think the, the most recent example, Chilaboy Radapella, unfortunately, this cloud never really left him, unfortunately. So look, we'll have to see what happens. But also something mm. else happening, very random. Not random at all. I don't know. Uh, Irvin Etzebeth, he's can, been... Can, yes? Sorry? Before we move on, can I, can I address the, the conspiracy theories? Yes. Because I feel like some people might not have had the benefit of hearing them if you're not on Twitter. Um, but there's like a little subgroup on Twitter who are convinced that Apiwa Gianchi was sabotaged. Um, meaning that someone like spiked his... They even said like someone spiked his drink and then tested him to get him out of contention for the World Cup. Like there's a, There are people who genuinely believe that this was a concerted effort to undermine his career. And, um, with the, well, the funny part is that they, they maintain that it's part of like a racial, uh, a racial, I don't know, plot. So there's, there's racism at the root of it. Basically, like, Rossi and his cohorts undermined Pio Gianchi's promising young career because he was too young and powerful and African for them. And, uh, uh, you know, while that might, might be true, it just seems a little bit weird that, no one, like, for me, there's only two people who stand to gain from this, um, or stood to gain from a pure Gianchi taking performance enhancing drugs. The first one is a pure Gianchi, if he doesn't get caught, obviously, because his performance is being enhanced. And the second one would be Makazola Mapimpi, who was pretty much the only person who benefited in terms of squad inclusion. Uh, there's, yeah, one of the other rumors is that Warwick Lant had something to do with it, which is, is giving him a lot of credit. But yeah, considering they don't even play the same position, I think it's a bit of a long shot. So if if you yeah, if you're not doing anything else this weekend or, or during the week, you can go on Twitter and check out the conspiracy theories. They're very very entertaining mm. uh, and, and complete bullshit. Yeah. Would Gantia respond on the back of his performance this season? No. No. Well, I don't think so. I've been saying that for a while. I said during the Super Rugby season, and even at the end of last uh, year, that I didn't think he, he was that good. He's just been injured, um, and I was quite annoyed. I saw an AAP story that was on stuff to say, oh no, he... They kind of implied that he would have been in the squad if this hadn't happened, even though the squad got named before this news came out, and he hasn't been around the box the whole year, but he's been injured, and his form hasn't been great, so... Which is a bit annoying. He wouldn't have made the team anyway. Uh, I don't think to answer your question. Uh, Mike? Can I call you Mike, by the way? Michael seems yep. to be formal. Okay, cool. So you are really, really mates. More mates than you. Yeah, well, Rossi said that uh, Apiwe has been... It's based on basically form and his yeah. injury and stuff, that he was excluded. It yeah, wasn't yeah. actually his... Um, it wasn't actually the... The doping. The steroids. Yes. Rassi basically tacitly Tass, said he wants all the players juiced up to their eyeballs. <laughs> and uh, he, he, just for the record, he did not say that. What he did say uh, about another buck, another buck who, is going to, who is going to the Rugby World Cup, Evan Etzebeth, uh, a social media storm. I haven't seen the videos or anything like that. He uh, and a family member and uh, other known associates They've been accused of racially abusing and, and uh, physically harming a person outside a, a pub in Langebaan. Where's Langebaan, 
Alex? Uh, uh, it's just up the west coast. West coast, right. Um, yeah. So uh, If you do visit, there's a fantastic restaurant called the Strandlooper, which yeah. has like a 10 course seafood meal. It's yeah, really good. And it's very pretty. Um, if you are oh, yeah, but, 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 but just just a, just a warning that uh, a Springbok lock might come fuck you up in the car park <laughs> if you eat there. Just, yeah, yeah but I mean. That's a price worth paying. But, uh, yeah, he, these, uh, apparently, <laughs> high risk, high reward. Uh, apparently, yeah. a storm erupted on social media, uh, where many storms erupted that, it, as I said, had been involved in an altercation. Elizabeth, he's refuted the claims. Um, while Isarabia Monday said that the seal remained with the squad, apparently, in Thursday, Elizabeth then spoke to the Human Rights Commission in relation to the incident, and Elizabeth also said on Twitter or social media. Uh, subsequently, that the police have advised him that there's pretty much nothing to it. Um, so I'm just trying to see on Friday morning, SRA provided for that. The purpose of the meeting, this is with the Human Rights Commission, was to advise the player of the role HRC takes in relation to a complaint received, as well as the subsequent media reports relating to it, and to establish a commitment of cooperation between the two parties. Both parties expressed their satisfaction with the envisaged process going forward and concluded by describing the meeting as constructive, uh, denied wrongdoing, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll we'll see we'll see what this happens. Uh, one of three things happened. Either does, the does, is, is this is this normal procedure for the Human Rights Commission to be involved? Uh, no, it's only someone makes a complaint to them. They reactive body. Yeah. Oh, 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 so 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 it's like um, so she so they didn't complain to the police. They complained to the H H R C. Yeah. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. Uh, I just stand to be correct. It was generally That's, if you that, that seems like you're just trying to you're just trying to cause shit. Yeah. Well, what if you think happened? Either nothing happened, uh, this is a shakedown, or something happened. So it'll be one of the three things. But uh, the fact that the police have reportedly said nothing happened, and as a rapy seem fully trusting it's a bit that sort of thing. Uh, it's it's it speaks to some credence, but look, we'll, we'll see what happens. I guess I don't, I don't want to speak too much mm-hmm. about it. Look, and the HRC are involved, and uh, they got resources and stuff to investigate this, so we will see. Mm-hmm. I just know it's a bit vehemently denied it. So look, uh, I guess more will happen yeah. um, in this space. I, 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 um, I'm, I'm prepared guys, to believe this. Yeah. Well, just to add some spice from overseas, I don't know if any of you guys listen to the rugby pod, Andy Good and Jim Hamilton. Uh, a little bit. Soon. Podcast this week, they were speaking about the Evan situation, and in their story, he was holding a gun. So, oh, it, really? It's uh, you know, that, I think <laughs> it's quite that I've heard, I've heard about a gun, but also I've, I've heard that he drives a Mustang now. So I think, I think uh, Evan's making a big uh, MRL bid. Surely he has a gun, drives a Mustang. Surely he'll fit right down in there with Austin Elite now. So, so this is this is going to sound a bit weird, but like the inclusion of the gun and and also now the Mustang, um, this makes me less inclined to believe it. Absolutely. Like yeah. Eben, like guys, Eben's not a gun guy. Like yeah. he's he. Yeah, why would you need guns if you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you got fucking bazookas. Like this guy also. All right, if you don't know much about the Itzabith family, like first of all, they are exactly the kind of people who are likely to get into a, a loud and aggressive brawl outside of a public restaurant or bar. And before you jump in, Adam, that's not defamatory. It's it's a matter of pub- it's a matter of public record. Like his uncles, uh, Cliffy and Scotty, who both were professional rugby players, one of them I can't remember which one uh, played Springboks and the other one I think mostly just played province. But it's it's well known that Cliffy and Scotty Itzabeth would had a hobby of like driving 
to, I think it's to Worcester or Somerset West or somewhere on the weekends just to go to bars to find people to beat up. Like, that was their hobby. Like, they, they fuck people up for a living. Like, well, for a living because they're rugby players. And then just for fun, like, on the side. Like, they would just go and pick fights, for, like, for fun. And they were incredibly scary people. Um, it's well known. Like, this is, everyone in the Western Cape knows that Exabets are, like, are fucking scary. And I'm p- perfectly prepared to believe that Urban um, is not getting what he wants out of the aggression of rugby and needs to vent on the side. Uh, like, I, I love him as a player. I don't think he's a bad person or anything like that. But, you know, sometimes it's just in your blood. I don't I don't want to believe the racism part because there's, there's a racism element to this, apparently. That I'm, not, I'm, I'm less inclined to believe because I've got, I've seen no, I've, I've got no reason to believe that Eben's a racist. I do think that he's aggressive. Um, but I definitely don't think that he would go out with a gun. Yeah, I don't I think, think he needs that. Good. I don't think, I don't think it would enter his mind that he would need protection, that he would need protection. So. That, that news story yeah. came from one of the biggest pods in, in England. Probably yeah. the number one rugby podcast in England, and that's the story that they went with. I was quite yeah. shocked. No, I mean, if that's what's being reported, then... Yeah, it is, like, like... But I just think like, I think, because if you just... Re- yeah. So, I mean, look, the most, the most likely scenario is that someone outside of the restaurant in Langeban threatened someone with a gun before driving off in their Mustang, and it wasn't even. Like, that's the most, like... That, that I believe, like, that must happen every second weekend at, at Langeban, right? So, um, I think it's just a case of mistaken identity. I'm still not... Not prepared to write off the possibility that it was Yaku Kutsia. <laughs> is, that, is, is, that, is that literally the whole? That... <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I just no, think no, someone he shaved his moustache. Yeah, I think someone should ask him some questions. Where was he on the night? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, I like how you said, no, "Let's leave it," and you just go on this whole rant um, about Sorry. the Let's Smith family. Classic, classic uh, ERB. All right, look, oh, Alex, you you surprisingly you surprisingly chipper for half yeah. eight in the morning. What's yeah. up? Yes, you talk about. Oh, fight. I had a... It's like that game Boot Fighter, uh, that video I sent you. That's what Scotty was. He just fights Oaks out in the jaw, <laughs> in the bars. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, another another quick story closer to home. Uh, this is also quite sad. Uh, Paul Dobson, who if you do know, oh, would... do you know? Uh... Yeah. Yes. I was just saying this would have been a great segue into James Haskell's MMA career, but I presume we're not going to talk about that. Uh, I wasn't, but uh, now that you brought it is up, that, is that a thing? It is. It is a real thing. It is yeah, it's happening. Eh? Oh. I back him. I mean, he he's a pretty versatile athlete. No, no. I, I think maybe he's a bit old, but I reckon he he could do some damage with some a bit of training. Uh, Michael, mm. uh, what do you think about James Haskell going into MMA? Well, he's an absolute monster of a man. I mean, he's he's always spoken a big game about combat training, wrestling. He's now saying in the news that he wants he's been wanting to become a black belt in jiu-jitsu. so he's progressing towards that. And he says he's just going to give it his best shot, and he's not too phased about what people think and the outcome. Says he's going to give it a crack. So, hat off to him. Strange yeah. decision, but I think yeah. I'd like to see that. No. Okay, he, so. but he, he seems because he what he DJ he DJs as well, and he's written a book, and he's he's definitely got his yeah. fingers in a few pies. Eh? DJing in Ibiza last weekend. <laughs> what a lad. Okay. Like lives the life, eh? 
<laughs> okay, what's next? Uh, Where's the Browns over ease? Uh, this, this story popped out in rugby365.com uh, earlier this week. Paul Dobson, who, if you do know a little bit about Western Province rugby, and I know a little bit about it because I worked Western Province as a client of mine like eight, nine years ago, so I'm glad to see he's still uh, kicking about and talking about the game of referees. Uh, Western Province Rugby Referee Society, they have decided they're going to stop partaking in club matches uh, across the province. Uh, they might, this might have been updated since, but the story came out mm. uh, two, three days ago, so there might be further news in this. But in a nutshell, uh, the chairman of the society, Joey Class de Salmons, and his executive are unanimous in agreeing this course of action. Uh, this is follows uh, where a referee was struck by a bottle after being thrown at him, then verbal abuse by a coach at the Hands and Hearts Rugby Football Club in the, res- in the respect of the referee in Nathan Swartz, one of the top referees in the province. Uh, in brief, the Referee Society, who uh, they're a separate organisation compared to Western Province Rugby, they do work with Western Province Rugby, they just they, they say that Western Province Rugby, uh, they keep stating they're going to do things about it, but nothing has changed. So essentially, they're on a strike. That might not be quite the right, right word, uh, but Paul Dobson talking about it, he's absolutely correct, and in, in, when, when I work for Western Province, I work a lot with the referees, um, and I've never stressed this. I can't keep stressing this enough, guys. Referees are some of the most dedicated people when it comes to rugby you'll ever meet. And the fact that they're treated so poorly, even at school games, uh, by dickhead dads and parents who take this stuff far too seriously, they should all be ashamed of themselves. Same as people at club matches. Without a referee, you can't have a game. Uh, honestly, they something, but they're some of the most important people in the game. Uh, and they do love the game, especially because those who don't get paid. They get paid maybe a small stipend for refereeing a game out in, in fuck knows where across the province. Western province isn't small. Um, and the fact referees... And this, this is a good surprise across the country. Uh, referees are, are generally speaking treated very poorly. Even at international level, the amount of abuse and hate they get on social media, uh, it's disgusting. So, um, look, listen, I don't know all the full details of this, but I'm very much on the referee side. So uh, I hope Western province rugby, if they, they can come to a conclusion and, and step up uh, if, if these allegations from, from the society are true, and I'm, I bet you they are, just because they wouldn't have taken this mm. action if it wasn't necessary. It just it, it, it really fucks me. Yeah. For, from, yep. from my experience, and I'm sure Alex can say a similar thing, when you used to watch UCT play some of these clubs, I'm not saying the UCT fans were, um, were you know, were morally upright citizens, or whatever, but I think just because of the cyclical nature of varsity, we had sort of less meat in the game. But you mm. sh- you should have seen some of the way these the, these supporters, I guess you'd call them, used to treat the refs. It was it was honestly disgusting. Like, and yeah. I I completely if that's if if I feel that level that I witnessed was enough that as a referee I would never want to I would never want to step onto the field again. And now you're hearing about shit like bottles being thrown and stuff. Like I'm, I, I, I back you, Adam. I completely support the referees on this. And I think they're going to learn the hard way. These teams that, you know, fine. All the fucking infrastructure in the world. If you don't have a ref to ref the game, it's fucking pointless. You might as well close your club. And I, I hope some people catch a big wake up because of this. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah. I just wanted to have a quick rant about that. So look, we'll leave it there. I think it'll be an agreement there. A quick one. I know this got discussed uh, in depth on the stat attack. Um, and uh, to those of you listening, I, I, as, I've, as we've said in the description, I really have no idea when these come in. So if there's a missed week, uh, blame Phil and Ant. It's generally their fault, even though their shit's good. <laughs> they, ch- they chatted a lot about the Rugby World Cup squads. New Zealand announced their squad. Major things, uh, Ngani Lamapi, a truly outstanding 12, would walk into probably almost any other test team except New Zealand, doesn't make it. 
neither does Owen Franks. Very much agree with that one. Um, just quick talking points. I know we don't want to belabor the points since this was discussed in the stat attack. If you haven't listened, please check it out. Um, yeah, I feel a bit bad for Owen Franks, but I, can, I kind of understand what they're going for. The major question, maybe, maybe Michael, you could weigh in on this, is get the shape of their new trio for September 21st in Yokohama. Maybe there'll be a bit shorter line options. That's the major talking point for me. Squire isn't there. Fafita isn't there. Uh, Frazel isn't there. Uh, so they seem to re- so lack a bit of height, particularly at six. I know Sevilla is an outstanding rugby player, but uh, against our pack, they're a little small. Emma isn't there. Oh, yeah, correct. Thank you. Yeah, also another guy I've trialed at six. Um, interesting. Very interesting. So I, I can see what they're going for, mobility, but I wonder how they'll serve us against us. Because our pack is huge. So... Michael, just your thoughts, just when you saw the squad, very briefly. Yeah, just first thing, uh, you know, it's the first All Black squad that I've seen in 10, 12 years that doesn't strike fear. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm alone in that. There's, you know, always a healthy respect, but it just doesn't seem to have, I don't know, the world-class effect that it, 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 it's had in the last two World Cup cycles, um, particularly in the back row, and obviously in the centre, you know, there's some big names there. Mm. I do think you see Lamaipi come in. You know, how long is either Sonny Bill or uh, Crotty on, on that? Lamafi will be there. Um, even if a winger goes down, I think they'll bring him in. He's too good to... Uh, weird decision. Going back to the forward pack, yeah, Lustre is going to be an issue. As you say, shortage of jumpers in the lineup. Uh, I think going to be a big letdown for them. Against teams like... Playing against... We'll get to England, but playing against a side like England with unbelievable amount of options in line-out. Uh, it's going to be trouble for them. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you'll, I think you'll chat a bit about that. Uh, briefly, Alex Finn, uh, own Frank's rest in peace, I guess. He wasn't great. Um, he wasn't great against Africa in Wellington. Yeah, 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 Owen... I don't know with Owen because, one... Say, say, say what you will about him around the park. He was good in the scrums. He was, uh, he was say, their, their rock. <laughs> like, you can... Fine, you, you know, what, whatever, he's never going to score a try or, you know, like he does have it. But, you know, you, you pick props to scrum. Their version of front I, I don't know. I, I think leaving it. Yeah, and also he's got, what was he got, 100 odd caps or whatever? Like, to me, you don't leave out that sort of experience unless there's been a drastic dip in form. I don't know if his dip in form has been drastic. But, yeah. But just mm. with the... With their with their loose with their loose trio, I want to say this clearly shows that Hansen has had to change the plan at the last minute, because mm-hmm. obviously with playing Squire, Frizzell, Fafita, Himapo, they had planned to take a, a classic blindside to this World Cup, mm-hmm. but then for whatever reason, this now in the last minute he's changed the plan. Like to me, it shows he's panicking. Well, I think also Luke Jacobson, yeah, Luke um, Jacobson making the squad, uh, who, who can play across the entire background. Yeah, but he's ju- he's just like a. No, but to me, he's just kind of like a poor man's Audi Sevilla. Like, uh, like granted, being a poor man's Audi Sevilla is no is no insult. <laughs> but like, I, I don't really see, I don't really see what unique thing Luke Jacobson's offering. Yeah, I think the major the, stuff the, up the, the big issue is that they. Mm-hmm. The big issue with 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 um, Luke Jacobson, who I rate ex- extremely highly, mm. um, draft pick by the way, um, oh. it's just that he hasn't he hasn't played there, right? So it doesn't matter if you think oh he's really good, he could play, he could play blindside, but like they haven't tried him there, so it's a risk either way. Like it doesn't matter if someone's got the potential. It's the same worry I have with Francois Stein, 
playing at uh, at twelve for us. Like if we haven't tried him there, then we shouldn't play him there. Um, so I don't know. Like it's just I'm not going to go on about this because I had my say during the week on the stat attack. But I yeah I agree very much with Ben's summary. I think it's I think Hansen's panicking a bit. And I agree with Michael. This is not a this is not a one, an, an all black squad to be feared. It's one to be respected, obviously. Yeah. But they don't have the same grip over world rugby that they used to. Yeah, I uh, as as a Bok fan, I feel quietly confident. I don't know, like I see little little rays of sunshine bursting through the clouds. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking forward to the 21st. Uh, let me put it that way. Uh, other quick pieces of news. Wait, what have what have I written down here? Oh, there it is. Uh, this is a quick transfer news in Super Rugby. Mitchell Hunt and uh, uh, newbie Ngani Punivai, they're going to the Highlanders from the Crusaders. So apparently the, the Highlanders like the fact that Mitch Hunt had some ticker. He does well in the big moments. And also, uh, Greg was head coach, a bit of a pity. They had a very good run in the Curry Cup. We'll talk about that shortly. Uh, Brett Janssen from Redsburg, he will be leaving the Tafel Lager, Greg excuse me, uh, going to a bigger union. We're not quite sure which one. Speculation is the Sharks, possibly. Uh, who are the other guys? They mm-hmm. could, not Province. Oh, I, I thought I thought it was the Sharks. I thought oh. I thought it was confirmed as the Sharks. Oh, sorry, I didn't I actually, think I, I saw that. Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen that. Okay, well, probably the Sharks uh, as well. I just it just annoyed me that it came I out. Wonder, in the week. I wonder, is, is he going? Do you think he's going as the head coach? Uh, yeah. Is he going as Rob Dupree, senior's replacement, or is he going as Sean Everett's replacement? Ooh, probably the latter, actually. Be a bit of a bit hectic to bring him in straight away, unless he's like. Yeah, like no, no, yeah. no, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, so yeah, uh, changes at Griquis, and then just last piece of news that I, I saw this morning: Aaron Cruden. I know we spoke about this a few weeks ago. There were rumours that he might come back to Super Rugby. Apparently, he could be on his way to playing under a new coach at Warrangat and have Chiefs next year. Uh, the flower half, he has been linked with the return. Uh, he's, oh, he's competed a stint with uh, Montpellier. The 30-year-old, who's been part to blah, blah, blah. He can return to Hamilton uh, before joining the uh, Kobe Kalbeko Steelers in Japan. Let's see, I'm just trying to see who else now in advance. Okay, apparently, they're now in advance negotiations uh, at the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, if he does go, this is, this is good news for the Chiefs, I think. Then you could put D-Mac at 15. Uh, if he's fit, if his fitness comes back, having him at 10 over Starty, uh, good move. If he does come back, I think that would be quite a nice mm-hmm. little win. I was like, Ruan Pinar at the Chiefs, eh? Hey? I just, I just look at uh, Pinar, we'll talk about the Curry Cup now, he's just so tall, compared, compared to not so many other people in the field. Or is it just me? Mm, for, a, for a scrub half. Yeah, I don't know, I'm just like, this man is a giant. Yeah. Uh, well, this Phil, one, Phil, if you're listening, he's, he's tall for a scrub half. Very tall for a scrub half. Uh, well, let's talk about Curry Cup very quickly. Uh, it's going to be a... Well, he, he, he's, uh, he's, he's six foot three, eh? so he's not... No, he's he's tall, tall, like... Yeah. He's taller than uh, Hydro Pollard, so I mean that tells you a lot. But speaking of the Curry Cup, the Cheetahs, they're going to be facing the Lions in the final. So the Cheetahs are the heavy favourites. They have, they have literally the best hooker in South Africa <laughs> after Malcolm Marks and uh, Bongi Mdomambi and Dweba. And ben... Well, Malcolm Marks isn't in South Africa, so, no, so, they, so they, have, they have literally the third best hooker in South Africa. Yeah, Ben, and I have to give you credit. You have been banging this drum. But, but, but ge- geographically, currently, they have the best hooker in South Africa. Yes, they do. Uh, it, was, it was a hell of a game. I think they ended up winning 50-57. Sorry, is that, is that the correct score? Yeah, but it was like it was like it was like thirty all at like seventy minutes yeah. though. It was, uh, yeah, yeah. They totally um, ran away with it. At the yeah, and then uh, I mean, we'll, we'll chat a little bit about the games. I didn't watch them. I just saw the highlights. And the Lions they managed to beat uh, Crickwis, 
30, 30 odd, something odd. Sorry, I, I had the score um, in my brain. But, uh, 30, 35, 19, I think it was. Uh, thank you, Ben. Uh, overall, Cheetahs should be heavy favourites. I think, in a way, they're kind of yeah. playing the Pro 14 team. Oxen chair, nice to see him there. When's he going to get a Springbok cap? Surely. Pro- probably only, only once he moves to did, did uh, Super Rugby. Really? Like, uh, couldn't they take him mm. on like end of your tour or something like that? Did, did, did you did, did you see him? Did you see him hammer Kerwin Bosch? How great was that? I know it was completely illegal, but oh, yeah. he's he's really good. I think. I mean, I keep hearing rumors that they're gonna uh, the the Sharks gonna pick him up um, as the long term replacement to Beast. I don't know if that's maybe a bit premature because Beast hopefully is gonna stick it out until the British and Irish Lions tour, but. I don't know. I mean, the the Bulls are pretty much set with Koboka, um, and even he couldn't couldn't get a, a buck call up. So you know, it's tough out there for the loose heads. Uh, Province also got fits off. Uh, Lions. Who's the incumbent at the Lions? Dylan Smith was he the tight head? Uh, God, I can never remember the Lions. But anyway, so Steve Sotolo. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of competition out there. I'd really like the idea of him going to the Sharks, learning a little bit from Beast, and then taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a matter of time. Like he is, he's so dynamic. Um, and to be honest, he can if he's going to the Sharks, he can take Joseph Dweber with him because they need a hooker now too. It's true. Uh, so the actual score for this, the Cheetahs Sharks game, fifty-one thirty. Uh, that that being the final score. So the the final will be at the Toyota Stadium. Uh, in Bloomberg, any final comments of Curry Cup? And then we can move into the preview. So I didn't watch the game. So I, I know that Similani looked pretty good. Um, who, no, it's, it's, who's that? Um, uh, who highlighted him? Uh, the that, wing, the number 11 for the Lions, the short uh, guy. Stian yeah. Pinar. He's got huge uh, thighs. Stian Pinar. Yeah. yeah, he's good. He's a little pocket no, he's he's, he's, built like a He's built like a sprinter. I like it. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to apologize to Michael. We've realized this this has taken a very South African direction, yeah. this conversation. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm up to date. I'm up. I actually enjoyed watching uh, the Cheetahs Lions game yesterday. Oh. That's the wrong one. And what are your thoughts of Cheetahs. the, uh, of the blocking Cheetahs. talent? Cheetahs Sharks. Coming through the, the ranks. Of Joseph Dwebe. <laughs> he's a bit of a beast. But he's been around for quite a while, hasn't he? Two, three years? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's on the... Yeah, he's 20, 23, so yeah. But, no, but, but uh, he was behind Tor Torsten. Oh, just, uh, just Torsten, sorry. My, my tortoise's <laughs> name is Tor Torsten. Tor Alright, well... They went to Breathe, I think. Torsten for the Asphalt. Yeah. I don't know where he's playing club rugby, but we should see him in Japan for the Rugby World Cup this year for Namibia. Leader of the pack. Oh. All right, that's uh, look, that's going to wrap it up for the news. Um, let, let's now head into the previews. Uh, I, I have prepared. Uh, I'm going to be doing Uruguay and a huge shout out. Oh, to... are we not? Are we not? Yes. Are we not going to talk about? Are we not going to talk about Wales losing their number one in the world spot? Oh, oh sorry. I was actually going to mention the rankings. Uh. 17. Wales lost to Ireland 17-22. Scotland beat Georgia 10-44-10. Uh, uh, let's see. France beat Italy 47-19. The, what happened to Namibia? Didn't they beat the Kings? They beat the Kings, yeah. Yeah. They uh, beat and, the Kings 20, 22-24. Yeah. And Russia lost to a second-tier Jersey club side, if I have that right. 
So that doesn't bode well. Yep. For the, that doesn't bode well for uh, their World Cup. But see, also the, the... Uh, it's smoke, smoke and mirrors. Putin, Putin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and the Jags, the Jaguars, are 15 by the way, beat the Griffins 27-13 in the Currie Cup First Division. I don't know if that was the final or what. Uh, I apologise to the First Division. We haven't been following it at all. Uh, yes, Wales are no, no longer the world just... ranked team. New Zealand are back on top. Right, Ben. Mm. Dad, you point that out. Um, did, did, any, did you guys did you guys watch Wales Island? Uh, no, but Stockholm mm, looked like he had a good game. Uh, yeah. Okay. So 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 what happened at about the? Did you watch, Mike? I've, I've only watched the highlights, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. I may, maybe this was on the highlights, but basically what happened is uh, Wales were on the attack quite deep in their own half, maybe like on the like ten meter. The the lock tried to throw like a stupid skip pass. And then the, the, I think it was the wing, had to jump for it because it was such a shit pass. As he jumped, Bandiaki just pumped this guy because, you know, like, you mm. know, it was like exposed chest. Like, it was the, the yeah, obvious play. Then uh, the guy knocked it on. The guy knocked it on. I think Stockdale, one of the other wings, picked it up, and he, he ran, and he scored. Obviously, um, it came back. It was TMO'd, and it was concluded that Bandiaki tackled the player in the air. But he tackled the player in the air basically because the player was forced to jump because the pass was so shit. Mm. So it kind of – and then obviously Wales, Wales got a penalty. And to yeah. me, this is a complete – like this is some bullshit in the laws that because you were throwing a bad pass, you put yourself in a in a dangerous position and then you you expect the law to protect you. But yeah, like that, that is the law, but I do think it's something that should change. I don't know if you guys, I've, I don't know if I described it accurately enough, but I think you can see what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty common trend that's been happening lately with players kind of jumping into tackles. Urban was doing it a few weeks ago uh, against Argentina, and I think it's, it's partly driven by the increase in these like chop tackles. Uh, where players are getting tackled like below the knee, which is really dangerous. So they kind of lift their, lift their knees in the tackle, but then in, end up inadvertently jumping into tackles. It's it, I'm kind of on the fence about it because I like I agree with your assessment, Ben, that it's the players have put themselves in that dangerous position. But that's also kind of true for jumping under a high ball. Like you you still made the choice to jump for the ball to give yourself a better chance of getting the ball, and then the defending player still timed his tackle such that you were still in the air when he hit you, which is very dangerous. So I think both players have a have a responsibility to protect each other. And yeah, I think, but this, like, this is the... Sorry, but, but this is... Because if you say I, I have like normal possession of the ball and I run at a defender, then I jump. Then I've committed the penalty. If yes. I am jumping for a pass... At that point, the tacklers committed the penalty. To me, it's a uh, both situations are as dangerous. But why does the law ref it in opposite directions? Essentially, just depending on one little circumstance. Uh, I think it's like so. Yeah, maybe just to play devil's advocate. I guess when you jump, when you're carrying the ball, and you jump into a tackler. Like the point of contact has already been determined. Like both players are committed to that point of contact, and you've chosen to jump and elevate the risk of the situation. Whereas if you're rushing up on a player who doesn't have possession yet, and you can see that he doesn't have possession yet, you, as a defender, should be in control of the point of contact. So you should be able to to stagger your run and time it so that you hit him just as his feet hit the ground. And that's what we expect of players chasing a high ball. So I don't think we should really 
I don't think we can really expect any less of them when just chasing a, a pass. But, yeah, I mean, either way, it's... Yeah, I think... I mean, look, it's one of these things, like, the real know, rugby to, trend to, is... To, to me, to me it's... To... Possible. Yeah, I guess so. I know, but but, but to, to me, you... You sanctioning essentially what's a bad pass, and then also yeah, like strictly speaking, I don't think the player had to jump for it. I think if he just kind of completely stretched his body, he probably could have caught it. But obviously he jumped because he didn't want to, you know, expose his ribs. Yeah, yeah it happened maybe. on the British and Irish Lions tour, 2017 in New Zealand. Kyle Sinclair, towards the end of the game, uh, jumped as he caught the ball just for a one-off run-off from nine. And he got smoked, but he was in the air, obviously, because he jumped. And the Lions got the penalty, which allowed, I think it was for the draw. No, it wasn't that match. Mm. Maybe it was for the win in the second test. Um, so, yeah. Well, I don't know how much you guys watched that tour, but New Zealand mm. media was up in arms about it. And oh, I, no, no, we did watch it. I definitely thought that, you know, we got quite lucky with that call because there was no reason for him to jump. It was, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. He, he, he literally jumped. Almost like Eben did when Michael Hooper tipped him up that one time. Mm. No need for the jump, but the penalty still goes to the the player that jumped. Mm. I think it, yeah, in, in, in the right frame of mind, right, right position, it could be a bit of a problem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can we move on to the previews? Sure. Yeah, I'm ready. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah this, we are previewing this week uh, Uruguay. Uh, huge shout out. I, I've cribbed a lot of this stuff from, to, to be quite honest, from Squid Rugby. Uh, again, Squid, if you, you know, come talk to us. We're nice guys. Uh, yeah. You can trust us. Uh, so I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> oh, we, we didn't. We didn't share the. Uh, we didn't share. Last week we forgot the good news about Squid that he's he's back on. He's cleared it up. Yeah, back stronger than ever. Good for you, Squid. Yeah, for Six Nations, and he released he's released a good video. Uh, you get you, the the fanboy vibes that you are listening to, ladies and gentlemen, are completely authentic. He does good shit. He did a video about uh, New Zealand and the upcoming World Cup, so uh, give it a check out. So I, I stole a lot of his info, to be frank. I, I don't on Uruguay. I don't think we should flatter our. I don't think we should flatter ourselves that anyone knows who we are, but yes. doesn't know who Squid is. Yes. Well, uh, so chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know. I think we're preaching the converted on this. It's true. No, that's true. Uh, yeah. So, so look, I did do the, I did watch a bit of the Uruguay Jaguars preseason warm-up game as well to get an idea of their playing style as well. Uh, uh, Ben's going to be doing Italy shooting from the hip. Uh, Michael, thank you for uh, again just enlightening us of what England are up to. And Alex, are you in red? Yes, Alex will be doing Fiji. So let me just, let, yeah, let me just do Uruguay first because I think England are very much the main course. Uh, sorry, draft rugby. I know that comes from you. So Uruguay, uh, also by the way, uh, Alex or Ben, thank you for putting all these stats on here, by the way. These are these are lack of for me to read. Uruguay. Was pretty sure it was all Ben. Uh, oh, thanks, Ben. Uh, Uruguay. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Alex. Alex, you're, you're a hero. Well done, Alex. <laughs> Fuck Ur- you, Alex. I, I, I came clean straight away. I didn't take any fake credit. <laughs> so I have no idea who did it. I know, I know Ben shared it, but I have no idea who did it. Uh, Uruguay, they ranked, well, when, the, when this sheet was made by Ben, uh, 19th in the world. They've played 11 games at the World Cup, and they've won two of them. One against Spain in 1999, and they beat Georgia uh, in 2003. At least I can say that. And they've lost nine. Uh, so their best performance, they have never made it out of the pool stage, but look, they did beat Canada twice on their way to qualification this time, uh, compared to last time. Last time they beat the more fancied Russia to make to make the 2015 tournament, but 2019 have done a lot better, apparently, as, as Squidge noted. The money that they did receive following the 2015 World Cup, they invested in their structures, 
So in 2015, uh, the majority of their team are amateurs. They're the most amateurs in their team. Uh, they've now completely flipped the script. They have 12 players who now play in the MLR uh, in the United States. Look, they've never made it out of the pool stage. Um, but so in terms of their strengths, also uh, I'd, I'd like to say the increased professionalism that they put more money into the system and they're getting their structures right. Uh, also, just from watching a bit of the highlights here and there and just seeing how they played, uh, uh, they play a little bit like the Yagiaras when they're playing well. Uh, they good steppers. They they like moving the ball with little pop passes and offloads around the contact points to try find space uh, for uh, for their players. Also, I think they've got quite a few experienced guys within within the spine of their team, uh, running from like ten to prop also out from fourteen in the wing. Forgive me, I don't know the players name, but they've got quite a bit of experience from that team. But uh, from their weaknesses, naturally with any of the tier two sides, I think they always struggle a bit with size. And set piece. That's always an area. And I think it's some, someone said it's structure. Very structured teams, like an island or something like that, would be a nightmare uh, for a Uruguay play, uh, just because they're just they're so well drilled. Even a Wales, uh, for the instance, even the box to a certain degree. So I think naturally the size and set piece. I think they'll structure. They'll struggle uh, just a little bit. Um, so in terms of the key forward, probably the captain, uh, the number seven. That's Juan Manuel Gomorara. Uh, uh, he'll probably be the most important guy leading from the front. Also, just attacking the breakdown and to try to slow down opposition ball. He's also an important carrier uh, from size. Their key back is their scrum half, and this, that's it. this stuff comes a lot from Squidge. Uh, but his analysis is so compelling. Uh, I'm just t- trying to make sure that uh, we don't get sued by Squidge too. Just after what he went through. Uh, I'd love for us to get sued by Squidge. That would be amazing. Yeah, we just we just love it just to be close to him, I guess. Uh, Santiago Arata. Yeah, it to meet him. Yeah, Santiago Arata, their number nine. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Wolgenia when he's in the mood, attacks space uh, around the fringes. Uh, actually, Herschel Yanke to a certain degree uh, as well. He's beyond just being a distributor, he's a very exciting back uh, as one and a constant threat in and around the park. For the prediction for their pool, unfortunately, fifth in their pool, they have uh, Georgia, Fiji, Australia, Wales. I don't see them beating any of those guys, um, even though Georgia were hammered by Scotland. So, uh, and then obviously not going to make out the pool. Their key match will be against Georgia. Uh, I think Fiji will have a bit too much for them. Look, if they beat Georgia, they'll finish fourth. That will be their final. Look, it'll probably be one of the better Mono games, which I think is kind of my, one of my favorite parts of the World Cup, is when the Mono face each other. That is their World Cup, really. So, and you can just see the passion uh, and, and the enjoyment come through. So, they'll check it out. And another strength I want to mention is their kit. I, I think their kit this year is shit hot. I like that light blue. They've got the little birdie mm, there. Nice. Yeah, it is very nice. It's actually one of the better ones across the entire tournament um, compared to... even. I don't really like our green one uh, from South Africa, to be honest. The white one's okay. Oh, I don't like it. No, I don't really dig it. Like, why did they have to... Okay, I don't want to bang on about it. But if you want to check out Uruguay's <laughs> World Cup kit, uh, please have a look. It's actually pretty darn sexy. Um, and I do even like the emblem. That's uh, probably a, a local bird. But uh, it's, it's quite classy, I'd like to think. So that's Uruguay uh, in a nutshell. Next, uh, Michael, if you could please just talk about England. We've got a ton of time for England, especially with the squad being named so early. Uh, before you get into it, yeah. what did you think of that? The fact Eddie was the first guy to name his squad way before everybody else. This, yeah, really interesting call. I mean, there's been a lot of chat about it um, on all sorts of platforms. Now, with this last result, people are calling it a genius stroke because those 31 players knew well ahead of time that they're no longer competing for spots. They have a spot. And now they can just focus on moving forward as a team. So it's sort of removed that competitive element um, building up to that squad announcement, which some would say, you know, you want to keep for as long as you can. 
But actually, I'm with Eddie on the fact that this group has known now for a month, essentially, where they are and that they're involved and to work together as a goal. You know, they don't have that nagging feeling of, am I going to make it or am I not going to make it? They're in and they can focus on what they need to focus on. So I actually think it could be a genius stroke. We shall wait and see. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, if you could. Uh, That's an interesting way of thinking of it, yeah. Uh, if you could please take us through your preview. Um, okay. Yeah. So, obviously, hugely excited after a massive win last weekend. Um, and there's lots of factors that would have led to that island looking pretty rusty, uh, heavy legged after what was a pretty intense training camp for them. But I do think we would have struck fear into a lot of the big teams. Our running that we have at the moment is absolutely monumental. If England can keep their go-forward ball um, with the likes of the distributors of you know, the Ford Farrell actors if they choose to go that route, with Elliot Daly out the back and somebody like Henry Slater can come in, the power and pace game that England could potentially bring to the World Cup uh, is going to be difficult, very difficult to handle uh, for every team. I don't know how much mm. of the England regulars have watched the last three games. So it's been up and down. An all-right win against Wales bit of a shocker against Wales and Cardiff and then obviously the Ireland game and I think it's the last 10 games England played they've scored 32 or more except for the two times they played Wales and Cardiff so that says quite a lot about our attack our attack is looking really really good um, the last sort of two years they start really quickly and fall away after 20 minutes that's our biggest issue I say us. that's our biggest issue at the at the moment is the biggest concern. It's that ability to start really fast, but then they seem to fade away. Prime example would be the Scotland match on the Six Nations. If you haven't seen that match, it's well worth watching the highlights. An unbelievable game of rugby. Mm -hmm. 32 all. So, as long as they can keep their power and momentum going forward and allow the distributors like Ford and Farrell to govern the game and unleash the outside backs, new talents like Fokker Singer, you know, mm -hmm. Anthony Watson back in the mix, I really do feel this is a very, very dangerous England team. Eddie Jones talked about, in 2016, when he came into power, he talked about a World Cup winning team needing five world-class players uh, in their starting 15. And I think we've got to a point now that England actually has five. It's up for debate, really. But essentially, a world-class player being somebody that consistently performs at eight out of ten player rating every match. Um, and then being Mako Vinopola, Jamie George, Mario Toje, Big Billy, and Owen Farrell. And that, that essentially is the Saracens' backbone. That is what this whole England squad is built on. This is the best Saracens as a club. And in particular, those five players were all big leaders. Um, and, and for me, those are, that's, that's the key to the whole England setup, is that Saracens' backbone. Mm. And I'm going to jump into key forward. Oh, could it be anybody other than Big Billy Vunapola? If he's firing, uh, yeah, he's, he is the best in the business. I, he's got to be the best number eight in the world. Obviously, I'm very biased. Mm. But at current stage, his ability to carry the ball and his offloading skills are just beautiful. Mm. Really spectacular. And then moving moving to the back line, everyone's getting very excited about Manitou Alagi being back and fit. Obviously, that's just epic. But we have to accept that he's also rather injury prone, so I don't want to get too excited about him you know, being a whole focus of England's game. Really, it's Owen Farrell. Uh, he's proved himself as a leader now, and his game-controlling skills is, is 
kicking out of hand both on attack and defense, distribution, he's solid on D. I, uh, I think he's, uh, I'll really put Bowden Barrett, but man, Owen Farrell's pushing Bowden Barrett hard, that number 10, top number 10 in the world. Those are my two main guys, Billy and Owen. If they're firing and fit, then England's in with a big shot. Would you would you consider playing Farrell at twelve? I or do you think that, that that's? Yeah, I, I think it's a great option, uh, particularly now. The fact that they can play Farrell at ten with a big ball runner like Manitoulag at twelve and yeah. distribute Slade at thirteen, and if the game starts to open up. Then you drop Slade out, you move to a leg at 13, Farrell starts in at 12. And then yeah. you have that distributor axis, which, when moving forward, is really quite awesome. I think yeah. Eddie's actually for choice at this stage. Um, I, just, I do I'll, think... I, 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 just, I just wanted to check, just your thoughts on the fact that Ben Teo uh, and uh, my, uh, oh, Michael Brown, excuse me, Mike Brown? Yeah, Michael. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, so, yeah, Michael Brown is a side right. Uh, the fact they didn't make the squad, I know, I, I, I found uh, Jones's comments very interesting. I think we spoke about it when he named the squad. How, he, in his opinion, rugby's changed to such a degree that while Brown's a fantastic def- or defensive fullback, uh, yeah. he's not. He pretty much said he's not quick enough um, for the game. And Taylor, yeah. that might have been more of a personal thing in the squad. Uh, do you think good, that those two guys will be missed at all? Uh, I mean, your back three is. I, I'm a big fan of Daly. Um, he had a yeah. fantastic tour of South Africa. Um, forgive me, who, who's the other wing? The other wing in your fullback? I know Daddy also plays a fullback. So can a Seager. Yeah, he's a yeah, beast. Johnny May, Johnny Anthony May. Watson, yeah. Zach Knoll, yeah. and then yeah. a, oh, a bold. Huge pace to burn. But uh, yeah, just your thoughts on that? Because I was a big Mark Brown fan, just uh, uh, firstly speaking. Yeah, Eddie yeah, I mean, knows who's doing. Well, the biggest issue is, is fullback. So Elliot Daly is really out and out and outside centre. And he's been playing mm. fullback thing now. I think it's 16 tests in a row or something like mm. that. He's good coming forward, but uh, England's going to be under pressure in terms of the high ball. So we might miss a specialist like Mike Brown, who is just super, super solid. Um, but I mean, the word on the street is that basically Ben Taylor and Mike Brown had a had a had a bit of a dust up, oh. and that's being excluded. They had a dust up on their camp in Italy, mm. so no one seems to be talking about the story but that's that's the word that's the gossip that there was a there was a bust mm. up which led to getting uh, left out and uh, it, no Ben Teo is an interesting call because at least our inside center options quite narrow because uh, uh, you obviously want Manu at 13 yeah. and now they've brought in Francis and I can't uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Pierce Francis um, so it's basically, it's 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 Farrell and, and Francis and maybe Tuilagi who are the twelve options. So it's I feel we're quite light in that position mm-hmm. in particular. But that's a whole other story on its own. Um, hey, and how's okay, how's going to be? How's Tuilagi uh, looking? Whenever he is fit, he I mean he's a big ball carrier, gets over the gain line. Very good rugby player, to state the obvious. How's he looking fitness wise? We've joked a lot about David Pocock. Uh, and whether he's even going to make it onto the field. Uh, too long, he seems to be the same. Always gets injured uh, every few games. Yeah. So is, is he looking in good shape? Has he had a good run of four uh, prior to the tournament? He is the best he's looked since that 2012 game when England beat uh, New Zealand, when he was a one-man show and took mm. all blacks apart. He is looking bigger and faster than I think anybody's ever seen him. 
Um, if you watch the highlights of the, the Ireland England game last weekend, he absolutely tore them apart. A guy that size running at that speed, you know, he sucks in three, four defenders every time he gets his hands on the ball. Anytime, anytime he's near the ball, and that creates so much space out wide. And then you have a guy like Joe Fuck on a singer who must be 115 kilograms. Yeah, he's big. Jesus. <laughs> Eddie's gone for a, an all-out pace back three. He's spoken a big game about the, the Japanese conditions um, leading towards a really, really pacey back three. Hmm. I don't think there's enough team in world rugby with the same amount of pace. Guys like Johnny May and Anthony Watson, even Jack Noll. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if I was thinking of the sign up, sign up England's strengths and just weaknesses, just based on, on, your, on your very detailed preview. Thanks very much. Pace, power, speed, hey. and a, a very settled spine well, of the team, particularly through Saracens. But weakness, depth of 12, and maybe the high ball yep. uh, out of the back. Uh, so, yeah, I think the aerial, the aerial game might be England's undoing. Um, and also, scrum half is a, a bit of an issue. Um, Mm, there's only two, and one, and one of them is Willie Hines. <laughs> one of them is Willie Hines. Out of nowhere, he's just appeared. Look, he's a very good player, and you guys will be familiar with him from his Super Rugby days. Yeah. But yeah, he's toyed with three or four scrum halves the last sort of 13 months. Dropped Danny Kerr. He's actually now out of it. Uh, he won't even be a reserve for the, for the squad, sadly. But essentially, we have Ben Youngs, and Ben Young isn't on form at the moment, so... Nine is a potential problem. Nine and twelve are issues, and maybe Hooker. We only have Jamie George, so there are yeah. we have depth places like Locke and Lustrio. Our Lustrio is looking quite mean, and that's been a big area for the last two campaigns, I think. But the likes mm-hmm. of uh, Sam Underhill and Tom Curry, uh, those are names to be remembered. Yeah. Are you, do you, ben, are you doing your ironing? <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm brying. Um, I, I wanted to ask my, Michael if if you were if you were formulating a game plan against England, what would you what what would your plan be? Focus on the high ball, then just what wait till yeah. one of the one of the key players gets injured. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if you can if you if you can bully that forward pack, which seems like it's going to be a take some doing. You know, South Africa is probably the one team that can actually stand up up front to that 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 pack. Then England's going to be in trouble because well, what's, that pack what's, forward, the permutation the is South Africa could potentially have a semi-final against England. Huh? Yeah. So the way the way I mean, I'm I'm backing England to finish their pool in number one. I'm I'm really hoping because four years ago, I was in tears. I hope I can never experience this going out in a home world cup. For the quarterfinals. Yeah. Do you know what? It, 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 it's a bit, it's a bit dick to say, but if there's one pool where England could get knocked out of, it's that pool. Absolutely. Be okay. Because both. No, no, but but the problem is, is both Argentina and France on their actually maybe not France, but you know if Argentina get their sort of offloading game going, I reckon they could beat anyone in the world. Absolutely. And both you know France, who the fuck knows? But yeah. France are looking quite good. I mean, mm. they did lose to Scotland last weekend, but um, the weekend before when they pumped Scotland, they have got a really exciting team. Mm. So maybe not this year, but in four years' time, if they do it right, I think they'll be a big threat. So yeah, they, 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 they've won the under for the last two years. Mm. Yeah. Can I can I ask you, Michael? Do you 
do you think Mauro Toja is better as a lock or as a blindside flank? Uh, I think keep him in the in the locks um, okay. because you have to play like Courtney Laws that you can whip off the bench and and, and, and yeah. play blindside. So who who is do you think? Because because we had Underhill and Curry starting last week, right? So yeah, who is the, the, well? Who's yeah. going to be the, the starting blindside flank? Because neither of those are really natural blindsiders, right? Uh, I think they'll go back to Mark Wilson, who's definitely been one of the finds of this World Cup cycle. Uh, quite an unknown commodity, but real workhorse character. So he sort of replaced Chris Robshaw in that mold. Yeah. Around the park, here, there, everywhere, doing the hard yards, um, and you know, it would balance out the pack really nicely with an Underhill or a Curry. Um, on the open side, and obviously Big Billy at the back. Sure. But I think Mark Wilson's going to be covering eight. That's another we only have one out and out eight man. This is another big call. Okay. No eight. Right, so, guys, a uh, proper eight men are three in world rugby at the moment. Proper men and proper bias, thanks. Mm. My, my wife just brought me flapjacks. Oh, nice. I thought Billy Villapolo got injured, which is yeah. you know, just as likely as he might bring you flapjacks, to be honest. <laughs> uh, all right, Michael. So, uh, in a nutshell, what do you think is the most important fixture uh, England going to have and your overall prediction for the tournament? So, the most important fixture is France, which is the fourth game on the 12th of October. Uh, hmm. you know, they've already determined yeah, playing Argentina, if they've won that game, They've essentially qualified, but I still feel that whether they've beaten Argentina or lost Argentina, that game against France will really hmm. keep momentum and prove that England's actually a side to be. They've got to win every game in that pool, essentially. Yeah. So, and to, they've got to beat France that last game. For me, that's massively important. Um, to put that to bed uh, is, is is a big one. And then overall, it's a big call, but uh, I think England's going to beat New Zealand in the semi. And I think we're going to win. I won't call the final, but I think it's going to be an England South Africa final. Oh, you got to call the final now. Now you just uh, well, you, you put South Africa in it. <laughs> no, it's, it's England all the way. Sorry, boys. Ah, okay. Well, it's nice because we've been always just talking about New Zealand, uh, South Africa. So, uh, but let's just say one well, final hypothetical for you: if England do drop a game, and uh, it will most likely be France if they put in a free performance. From England's perspective, yeah. I wouldn't be too worried about Wales or Australia? Not at all. Okay. Well, okay. You should always let me, not, let me not be too confident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I think... Oh, obviously, Wales I think good, the, the Welsh are the worst people in the world, but I, I don't think you should write off Wales, to be honest. I just don't think they have enough X-Factor. Yeah. Wales are so good at shutting teams down, and they've been the best at shutting England down. Yeah, but they... They're, they're so grindy and they play England so much they know their weaknesses exactly I go back to that 10, the last 10 games England's played they've scored 32 plus points uh, except for two games against Wales hmm. they're the one team that seems to be able to grind into a halt uh, and shut them down out wide in okay. particular so okay. I'd rather play Australia than that's fair and, and also weird saying something nice about Wales but Wales relies on star power a lot less than England does. Yeah. And by by the time you by the time you four or five games into a World Cup, you're not oh, yeah, putting yeah. out the team you want to put out, if you know what I mean. Like like you are re- realistically one or two of that that Saracen's core you talked about is going to be injured. Yeah. No, you have to accept that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and then 
and that's where sort of Wales is sort of kind of ability across the squad. Maybe no one's a superstar, but they're all capable. So I, I don't think I think Wales should be feared in that situation, to be honest. Number two in you know, obviously, world. I hope Wales mm. don't make it out the pool and embarrass themselves. All right. Well, uh, thanks, thanks, Michael. And I very, very much appreciate uh, your knowledge of England. Uh, Percy speaking, I hope England fail. That's also probably from a uh, <laughs> from a fear point of view because they, as I showed against South Africa, uh, there's a lot to like uh, about that team. Um, and one thing you can never say about any judge is that he's not innovative and always thinking uh, compared to Steve Hansen. That's for sure. Right, that now leaves uh, Fiji. We've got Fiji and Italy left. Uh, Alex, can you just talk about Fiji for us? Yeah, can do. Um, sorry, I just finished my flapjacks. They were really good. Oh, sorry, sorry. Do, do, do you want to offer, offer Michael the option to go if you would like to? Oh, yeah, that's fair. I don't feel we should capture him here, Adam. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. I am going to have to shoot. I'm going to go and make some preparations for a Sunday lunch. <clears throat> oh, yeah, what, what are you making? <laughs> oh, good old, good old English fry. English bry. Uh, that sounds like a contradiction. English bry. Oh, are you gonna are you gonna cook, are you gonna burn the burn the sausages on one side and leave the other side raw? <laughs> no, I'm very much a South African. I've got lots. Of food today. <laughs> very cool. Uh, well, Michael, thank cool, you so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, very much appreciate your time. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure, and just thank you for tolerating. Our utterances and also my my uh, damnedest efforts to ensure we don't get sued. So we very much uh, uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, thanks and uh, good luck with your uh, pending golf game with Ben. Uh, I assume that's going to happen now. Yeah, so that's locked in. <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel the result of uh, the result of Ben Michael golf will actually mirror the result of the Rugby <laughs> World Cup final. <laughs> What's your handicap then? No, it's fucking golf. It's like high. It's like oh, 18 or something. Oh, come on, Ben. I'm also 18. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not better at golf. It's hard, Adam. It's a hard sport. What's your handicap, Michael? If it's if it's lower than mine, I don't want to play against you. I'm not an average. So it's going to be a fair game. It's fine. I look forward to hearing about the results. Yeah, I know that. It sounds like sounds like a sounds like a battle for the ages. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks, Michael. Uh, uh, yeah. Please let us let us release you and enjoy your Sunday. Um, and uh, good luck to England, I guess. So, yeah. You too. Thanks, guys. Cool. Cheers. All right. Uh, on that bombshell, uh, someone just told us England are going to win the World Cup. You. Mm. But they could. That's that's the worst part. Uh, maybe Fiji could could do something. Alex. Fiji are going to win the World Cup, guys. <laughs> You heard it here first, and, and probably last. Yes. Um, do, 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 do you guys feel with, with these reviews, like, once you review a country, like, somehow you, you're sort of obliged to support them? You're, you're bonded. Because I, I, yeah, I, feel, I, feel Matt, Matt, I, I feel Matt takes on that mentality. Like, once he's reviewed a country, like, they're his boys. Like, he's backing them to the end. Like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, it's one of those things. Like, the more you know about something, the more invested in it you are, I guess. So, like, once you do the research and you're like, you learn people's names and like the Canadian rugby players are actually human beings to you instead of just, you know, mannequins. Cannon fodder. Then, <laughs> then it actually becomes a lot more meaningful. But I mean, so taking it back to Fiji, I think this is a case where you don't need to review them in order to, to want them to have good things because Fiji rugby is just one of those things that everyone, it's like a universal 
everyone loves Fiji. Like, you can't not like them. Um, I think in, in both sevens and 15 aside, they seem to be everyone's kind of second favorite team. Uh, they've just endeared themselves to the rugby world, I think. Um, they've been a real force to be reckoned with for as long as I can remember in both 15 inside and sevens, despite being chronically under-resourced. Uh, like everyone knows the, the logistics and financial challenges that the union faces. And it's made that much worse by the fact that all their best players, well, at least until recently, I would say, all their best players head overseas as soon as they can. And a lot of the time end up turning out for usually Australia. Um, like, you know, guys like Tavita Kuradrani and Marika Korobeti, who, as far as I know, are both born in Fiji. Um, you know, there's been, there's been like a long history of, of brain, of brain drain on Fiji and rugby. But they've always found a way to hold on to like just enough guys or just produce that many good rugby players that they can still be somewhat competitive. Um, you know, they've, they've actually got a pretty illustrious history in, in Rugby World Cup finals. They've made the playoffs twice, uh, 1987 and 2007, which I think is, is something that a lot of people don't give them credit for. I think they're seen as, you know, the same, they kind of lumped together with like Samoa and Tonga in that they, they pitch up for the, the, the um, group stages and they kind of, they're like a bit of a banana peel team like Tonga was for France in 2011. Uh, but, you know, there's no real risk that they're going to top the pool or that they're going to knock it, like, take any, any of the proper, you know, tier one teams place in the quarterfinals. They wouldn't dare do that. And yet, in, 20, in 1987, they beat Argentina. 2007, they beat Wales in the group stages and went through to the playoffs. So, you know, you, you can't write them off. Like, And that's the thing with Fiji is that no matter what happens, no matter how big their, their struggles are, they're always going to find a way to put together a competitive 23. And the reason for it is just like, they're literally just that good. Like they are just that individually gifted. They're super athletic. They've got skills. Like they're not just a bunch, a bunch of like, you know, six foot three, 110 kg guys who run the hundred meters in 10, 10 seconds flat that can't catch a ball. Like anyone who's watched them play sevens knows that these guys, like they don't just have skills. They actually invent skills. Like they do things with the rugby ball that no one else is doing, that no one else thinks to do, and um, they're just a like they're they're a real joy to watch. So they played their last warm up, I think. They maybe have another one, but they played a warm up yesterday against uh, Tonga, which they were able to win quite convincingly, uh, twenty nine points to nineteen. And I I'll be honest, I didn't watch the game, and I haven't watched the highlights, not for want of trying. I did. I looked quite hard yesterday and today for. The, the live stream and then the highlights package, but uh, I couldn't find anything, unfortunately, which is a real shame because it looks like they were playing pretty much their first string team. Uh, so I'll just run you through from 1 to 15. Kampizi Mafu, uh, we know him from Super Rugby. He never really sh- shot the lights up, but you know, he's got a bit of experience. Sam Matavesi, Kalavati Tawake, Tavita Kavubati, Leoni Nakarawa, obviously pretty well-known name. Domenico Wakaniburoto, Semi, uh, Semi, Semi Kunatani, Peseliato, it's probably Peseliato, Frank Lomani, he's just signed a Super Rugby contract, so we're going to see a lot more of him next year. Uh, apparently he's very highly rated, so I'm looking forward to that. Who do you sign with? Ben Vola Vola. Draw, draw pick, draw uh, pick. Draw pick, draw pick. Oh, fuck, Ben got me. Who do, who, uh, do you, who do you sign with? 
It's, uh, it's one of the Australian teams. Um, Melbourne Rebels. Oh, fuck. I, 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 I take it back. I don't want any <laughs> Australians this year. Yeah, he, I think he's the he's essentially the successor to Algenia. Um Yeah, he's he's 23 years old. He, he performed extremely well for the Fijian Drua, which is the team that plays in the National Rugby Championship. They won the National Rugby Championship last year, I think, and just kind of demolished a lot of the Australian club sides. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty gifted. I've just got another Sorry. flat jack, guys. <laughs> Fucking hell. I just picked up the Brygrid, which had been on the fire, and I wasn't thinking, and I burnt my hand. Yeah, okay, then. Yeah, I'm fine. I'll survive. I always do Matt, shit. Ma- man of steel heard nothing. <laughs> huh? I just heard nothing. I didn't hear any yelp, nothing. Oh. Did you hear oh. my skin sizzling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Anyway, uh, no, no, it's all good. So, yeah, continuing on the back line, uh, Ben Volavolo is at fly half. He's been pretty well established. Um, we know him from the Crusaders in Super Rugby from a while ago. Uh, my working theory is that they, they include him because they have to have someone who kicks. No one else on the team is prepared to kick, and the money in that is retired. So Ben Volavola is the only one who's, who can kick at goal. Then um, left wing is Veroniki Gonova. He's like a bit of a journeyman. He's I think he's like 30, 34, 35 or something. He's been playing for like a decade, for ages. And he's got quite a good reputation in Europe as like a, a really good finisher. Then inside center, Levani Botia. I don't really know anything about him, but his center partner we know a lot about, which is Semi Radrada. And he's made a huge name for himself in, in France. He actually started his career for Fiji under-20s and then played sevens in the same year, but then was scouted by Rugby League and played, I can't remember which team it was, but... It was the Eels, played rugby league for a couple of years. And then about two years ago, he got scouted by France, moved there to play some rugby union, and he's been making Northern Hemisphere defenders look pretty silly ever since then. He also played for the Barbars, I think, last year, or 2017, and was man of the match in that game. So he definitely doesn't fuck around. He, he's a really good athlete. And uh, if that wasn't bad enough, outside him on the right wing is Josso Tuisova, and he's just an absolute fucking beast, to be honest. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about him, but he's been ripping it up for Toulon for a while now. He's played over 100 games for Toulon, and he scored probably, I don't know, he must be close to like 50 tries. He's, yeah, he's just a, an absolute fucking beast. I can't remember his dimensions, but he's over 110 kgs, and he's quick as well. And then their fullback is Alivaretti Vaitokani. I don't know anything about him. But, uh, right, so... I've kind of run you through the, the, the key players, I think. Um, well, I've run you through all the players. But uh, Nakarawa, I think it's safe to say, is probably going to be their key forward. He's widely considered one of the best locks in the world. I don't know if he, I don't know if that's true or if he's just one of the best rugby players who just happens to be playing lock. Like, is he, that, is he really a good lock or is he just a fucking phenomenal athlete? Because um, he's definitely a phenomenal athlete. So, either way, I mean, he's he's a bit of a demon. Uh, he scores tries pretty much at will, it seems, for a lock at least. Um, on the back line, it's tough to say who their, who their key back is. Um, I think I'm going to go with Semi Radrada just because he's in the sort of pivotal position at center. And I think he's got the experience and the, the skill to be pulling a lot of the strings. But I do rate Ben Volavola actually quite highly, so... 
think we, we could it could be quite a good year for their backline. Um, strengths, obviously, I think I've covered it. They've got unparalleled athleticism. I know Michael was just talking about how you know very few teams can match England for sort of their combination of pace and power. Actually, I think Fiji is one of the ones that can. I think that's what they offer more than anyone else is pace and power, and they've got the skills to boot. But the reason why they still sort of languishing at the bottom of the, of the top ten rankings is their weaknesses, which is that they have like no technique whatsoever. So it sounds weird, I know, but they've got a lot of skill, very little technique. So their set pieces aren't really anything to be afraid of. Um, they might struggle in adverse conditions because I think they really only have one setting, and that's just run the ball from pretty much everywhere. Um, and then probably a bit of a lack of depth. Like they've got a handful of big stars, and after that they've just got pretty raw guys who haven't really been tested at the highest level, but can probably ju- add just as much in terms of of the sort of physical game, but maybe not in terms of the mental game. So, um, looking at their pool, uh, oh, should I had this open somewhere? Sorry, guys. Using their pool. Uh huh. Fuck. Sorry, I don't have my computer. Uh, uh, Australia, oh, Wales, Australia, Georgia, Uruguay. Yeah, there you go. So obviously they'll beat Uruguay quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, we were joking about them getting a, a an upset win over England. I mean, sorry, not over England, over yeah, Australia or Wales. Over Australia. I would have like to be honest. It's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they beat Australia. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I I, I don't think just because because of the contrasting styles, I think Wales would just completely numb them. But I do think they could beat Australia. Not, yeah, maybe you know, I wouldn't put put the house on it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not feeling it. I I don't I think I'm gonna roll the dice on this. I think I'm gonna put them down at fourth in the pool. Fourth. Um, I think it's gonna yeah fourth. Oh. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll get a win over Australia, England, or Wales, unfortunately. But I'm, no, I'm England, watch all England, in, England, England, England's in England with Argentina and France. Oh uh, fuck! Twelve. Well, Australia, Australia, Georgia, Uruguay. Yeah. So I'm looking. I'm so looking yeah, they'll, they'll, they they definitely they they definitely coming third unless something bad happens. Yeah, mm. they'll come third. They'll be Georgia. Sorry, I was looking at the 2015 pool, which is weirdly similar. Well, the thing is, because the, the pools are based on world rankings, like, they do sort of, they kind of turn up similar things. Because I think yeah. Namibia has been in South Africa before as well, huh? Uh, yeah, I think in 2007. But it also oh, last in 20, in 20, because when we were at university together, Namibia played South Africa in the World Cup, remember? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, that's true, yeah, so it must be 2011. But also, like, yeah. Namibia had New Zealand... 2015 always and that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of inevitable the top will always be at the bottom yeah anyway so yeah Fiji probably going to come third in their pool in that case and hopefully at least threaten a couple of upsets but yeah I don't think we should keep our fingers crossed actually you can keep your fingers crossed that doesn't cost you anything but don't hold your breath Mm. Um, Um, alright that uh, that just needs Italy you, um, sorry, James is pushing his little wagon past me, so there's a bit of noise. Um, 
yeah, so Italy, I'm gonna um, just just follow the rubric because sorry guys, I actually haven't had a huge amount of time to repa- prepare. I was kind of hoping I was kind of hoping Matt would do this, but obviously Matt, Matt, Matt Matt's not here. God yeah, um, Italy, um, I'll start off with their strengths. Um, I would say their, their strength is that they get to play in the Six Nations. So they're constantly exposed to playing against the higher, higher level of the team. Obviously, they don't, they don't generally beat this type of team. Obviously, they don't, you know, you don't hear about Italy beating England or Wales or whatever. But at, at the same time, it does play into their hands in World Cups when they do have to play against minnows. Because um, we were looking at the stats earlier, and basically of all the teams that have never made it out their pool, Italy has the best winning percentage in the World Cup. So it, it kind of means that they, they are best at basically – fine, they, they're not going to rock the boat. They're not going to beat a, a first-tier team. Arguably, Italy are a first-tier team, I guess. But they also – they're not going to lose to a shit team. And I, and I think that trend will continue. I can't realistically see them losing to Namibia or Canada, but I can't really see them beating New Zealand or South Africa. They sort of live in this kind of this twilight zone of rugby where they where they're good enough to kind of quite comfortably beat the shit teams, like we'll see with their preseason game against Russia, who they hammered like eighty eighty five three or something. But at the same time, they're not going to. You know, like I know they they're threatening to upset South Africa, but can, can like re- realistically, a hell of a lot of things are going to have to go right for Italy, and a hell of a lot of things are going to have to go wrong for South Africa or New Zealand, I guess, for that idea to even be entertained. And then the converse applies to their games against uh, Canada and Namibia, where they they are the clear favourites, and like a lot's going to have to go wrong for for anything to change that. Yeah, so so I would say their their strength is basically that they are constantly exposed to a high level of rugby. Everyone in their teams professional, they play in quite competitive leagues, so they'll be fine. Um well they they'll you know, they'll do as expected. Like they're not gonna have a nightmare of a World Cup, let's say that. Yeah, yeah I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but yeah. No, I think that's that's fair. Like they mm. I mean you know like our our pool is pretty is pretty straightforward to be honest. Like there's this question over whether South Africa or Namibia will top it. There's a question over whether Namibia, uh, sorry, sorry <laughs> there's a question over whether South Africa or New Zealand are going to top it. There's a question over whether Namibia or or Canada are going to be at the bottom. But everyone knows that at least going to be in the middle, like slap back in the middle. So yeah, it's pretty boring in that from that respect, but. Uh, it is what it is. Like that's just Italian, Italian rugby for you, I guess. Yeah, they they are. They, as I said, they're in sort of that that twilight zone where yeah, they're never going to challenge the top, but they're never going to really lose to the so, bottom players. It is, it is something quite unfortunate about world rugby where you're saying realistically anyone in the top eight could beat each other. Yeah, but then if if you look at the the next eight. There's a massive fallout between whatever it is, number nine and number sixteen in the world. So yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, I, I can see Italy losing. Like, if Italy was in Fiji's pool, I would have called Fiji to beat them and probably make it out of the pool stages. Um, but I 
I don't see... Yeah, but, but, but Fiji's, Fiji's ranked comfortably higher than Italy. I think Italy's like 14th or 15th in the world, eh? Yeah, but I mean, fuck, fuck those rankings. Like they... Yeah, yeah, well, we, we didn't actually talk about this, but they did kind of call that... They say of the ranking system, like Italy and Argentina are sort of the victims of it because they, they, they play in these very strong competitions, which they sort of one step behind. And because of that, they just constantly kind of hemorrhaging points. But but yeah, any anyway, weaknesses is basically they they're just not very good at rugby. <laughs> like and they've and and weirdly, do you know, what? Italy have had every chance to get better at rugby. Because if you think about it, ten ten years ago, you would say Italy was probably on par with Scotland and arguably Argentina. No, not really Argentina, but. Say twenty years ago, Italy was on par with Scotland, Argentina, Italy, huh? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And since then, obviously, those teams have Scotland and Argentina are definitely, you know, they they're not at the, you know, they're obviously not world beaters, but they definitely eat, eat at the big boys' table. When Italy have sort of just continually sort of languished in sort of this nothing kind of area. I don't know if that's because. Maybe that's because football is just so popular there. No one really wants to play rugby or mm. what the deal is. But for, for, for whatever reason, they're kind of, they're kind of, they're kind of stuck where they are. Oh, they don't show any real improvement. Maybe that's because they only have two teams in the, in the Pro 14 and they still bring in foreigners. So they don't really blood their players. They try, but they, they sort of, they even try kind of use a bit of the, I don't want to call it the English tactic, but I will because, because Michael's gone the English tactic of sort of um, trying to steal talent from other countries but even then they, they, they steal pretty random oaks you're like would this guy even have made a curry cup team and now he's starting for Italy but but yeah anyway um, I, I feel I've mocked them enough and, and if I can use my joke before the show Italy ah more like shittily yeah so anyway I'll, 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 <laughs> that joke got worse over time yeah age, age bad professional power Aged like milk. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of key players, um, key forward, um, obviously, the, the man himself, Sergio Parise, the best eighth man in the world. Fuck you, Benny Villapolo. Um, yeah, like Parise, obviously, he's kind of um, he's at the very he's at the very bottom of his fuel tank. He's 35 now, and like. He's got some hard years on him, you know. He plays, he plays in top fourteen as well, which isn't a, which isn't a competition which is very friendly on your body, you know. It's not like he fucks around in Japan or Imoral or whatever. So, mm. yeah, I feel this is this is definitely Parise's last World Cup, and he's, I would say, one arguably two World Cups behind the peak of his powers. But he is still a very good player. He is a, a very good ball player, and he he does he does pose a threat, especially against. Say Namibia or Canada or whatever, he is the kind of player that can that can tear tear teams apart. Um, for for um, key backline players, there are a few players that are sort of oh, they're sort of all right. Uh, um, I would say um, Ian, what's his name? Ian McKinley, the sort of the the one-eyed Irish guy. Like he, like I know he's, he's not arguably the most talented player, but he does have a lot of um, a lot of sort of rugby experience and stuff. Mm-hmm. He plays the game in a in a quite a structured way, which does benefit Italy. 
And then they have a fullback, or what's his name, Matteo Mon, Monzoni, I think, something like that. Who's also he's he's quite a he's quite an exciting he's quite an exciting young prospect, and sort of he's the kind of X factor player who could who could potentially kind of you know score a try against someone like South Africa or New Zealand. But yeah, realistically, something I, I want to ask you guys about: if you were Italy, I guess it doesn't. Matter, but would you play? Would you still play your first team against New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to. Otherwise, what's the point of taking them? Like, well, like yeah, I said, no, but, but, in this in this pool, like there's there's no real games. Like, what games do you target? Like, the the two games are, are so easy, you can probably win them with your second string team. The other two games are so no, hard, you can probably lose them with your first string team. So you might as well just play yeah, your best players. You know, you, you might as well play it as as sort yeah. of as you should. Yeah. So anyway, going to the going to the key fixture, I would say it's. I think they would like to think it's South Africa, so I'll give that to them because obviously, if they're looking for any sort of advancement, they have to beat South Africa. And they have. When did they beat South Africa? Twenty seventeen, was it? Yeah. 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 So so like you know it's not. It's not unheard of, but I I do think they they beat a very, a very different team to to the team they're going to be up against in the World Cup. They have yeah. also, I think, their, their coaches' statements about how they like targeting that game. And I don't think that's going to, that's going to play into the, the Italian hands. But I think it is going to piss them off. And I think we... I don't know exactly how the, how the timing falls, but it is, it is a game we should, we should play with our first team because we're going to play our, our second... Presumably our second team against Namibia and Canada, and then our first team against uh, New Zealand and Italy. That makes no sense. Huh? Yeah, especially because New Zealand's the very, very first game, so we don't. Yeah, lose but I don't. Because obviously, if is, is Italy isn't immediately after New Zealand, huh? No, I don't think so. I think it's Canada or Namibia immediately. Yeah. yeah so anyway, like they, they're gonna they're gonna get the first team. Those Oaks are gonna be keen for a proper hit out, and I think. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be just too much for them. So yeah, I, I predict uh, predicted pool finish as uh, as I said, they live in the twilight zone. I can't realistically. In I read a few articles saying this was the pool of death. It's not uh, really the pool of death for New Zealand, but it's definitely the pool of death for Italy because yeah. like like it is sort of the the worst case scenario for. For them, because ideally, I guess they they would want to be in a. Oh, I'm trying to think what Italy's ideal pool would probably be like New Zealand and someone like France or Argentina that they sort of had an outside shot of beating. I think yeah, I think they'd want another job. Six Nations, another Six Nations opponent that they like Scotland or someone. Maybe maybe, maybe Scotland. Yeah, if they were in yeah. that island Scotland pool instead of Japan, I think they would fancy their chances a bit more than they would now. But re- realistically, now the they're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Hopefully, that doesn't come back to bite me in the arse. But yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, cool. Uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you for a very comprehensive thing. Uh, Ben's preview in a nutshell was Italy is shitty. Boom. The end. They 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 sort of shitty. They 
they're shittily enough that they won't be effective, but they're not shittily enough that they're going to lose to Canada or well, Namibia. I'm, I'm not Once created, again, I'm, no chance, no Alex. I've created now four columns, Alex's boys, Ben's boys, Matt's boys, Adam's boys, and Italy are one of your boys now because you did the review. So, oh, but No, but like... Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> you have you have to do. Yeah. Well, so who Alex also did you review? I have Namibia, Fiji, and uh, God, that's a good question. Who did I review? But Alex hasn't been here lately. He's been fucking around. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there's a. Oh, no, who did South Africa? Um, no, I didn't do South Africa. Oh, fuck. Full did South Africa. Oh, okay. Well, then it doesn't count. I think I did Scotland. 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 No. Wait, who did Scotland? Ben, did you do Scotland? Oh man, guys, this is uh, uh it might have been some it might have been some more. Oh, I can't remember. Okay, alright, okay. Well, that, well, that whole scheme's falling apart. Okay, we <laughs> have sorry, sorry, I don't... My, my, my mic was on mute, I was screaming into the void. Alex, you did do Scotland. Oh <laughs> uh, I did Scotland. Okay, okay nice. Okay. Um Okay, well look we've got Curry Cup final next week, so quickly you pick a winner. Cheaters, Lions? Uh, cheaters. Yeah, cheaters. Do we have a blame game? A blame game for the week? Um, <laughs> well, can we blame a Peewee Dianti for being a fucking yeah. idiot? Yeah, I think we have to. Like, I know, like, do you know what, like, say what you will about a Peewee Dianti. He was likable, given that. Yes. Yeah, of course. And, like, I, re- I really think, to be honest, I, I think we, we saw his ability kind of more realistically than some people did. But I know yeah. he was a he was a big time hero to a lot of people. Yeah. And he's yeah. really he's let a, he's let a lot of people down with this. So yeah. So yeah, Peter yeah. Dancy, uh, you're getting the um, game blame game blame game sponsored by Game for the week, uh, just for uh, being a lack of oak and bleaking oaks out. That's it. That seems to be a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, like just, just disappointing. No, not, like, not, come to get, on. not to get too scientific about it, but you yeah. bleaked us out. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah no, but like, like if if like someone like you know, I, I don't know who's just uninspiring. Maybe, maybe sorry, he's the butt of a lot of jokes on this pod. But like, maybe if like France Mal or whatever, like no one would really. Or SP Maria. Yeah, okay, but you inspiring. know, Jojo Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. There are a lot of uninspiring players <laughs> in South Africa, but but you know, you know what I mean. He was a, he was a hero to so many people. Like honestly, the only person I think who who would it would have been worse to be caught with drugs would literally be Sia Khaleesi. Oh, dude, that would that would devastate me. I would. Yeah, I like, would watch, no, but I, I mean, like the World Cup. No, but I, I would. I say that's that's sort of the only yeah, the I mean, only player that I I think it would have been worse for for South for South African rugby uh, perspective at least. Yeah, uh-huh. Maybe. I mean, following following his accolades last year, it really uh, does put quite a quite a damper on things. Mm. All right. Well, yeah. on that sad note, is there any, anything further we want to discuss? Or are we going to wrap this up? No. Let's let's get the rest of this day started. Yeah. Let's get started. Uh, let's get the party started. Uh, all right. Well, Ben, thank, thanks very much uh, for joining us. I hope I hope you don't well, yeah. don't like stuff up your hand from your bra. No, no, I, I, I think I was being a, I was being a touch melodramatic. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I see now my, my my hand has just got a little red mark on it. It's really not. Oh, yeah, good luck yeah. your pending your pending golf showdown with Michael. Yeah, I, I, 
I won't lie. I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to have a to have a friend here I can chat rugby with. I hope it sort of <laughs> materializes actually. Friend, your friend. Um, uh... <laughs> you know, guys, like making friends as an adult is hard. Hey? Like let's not let's not joke, let's not kid around with this. Especially in Mauritius. Yeah, especially in Mauritius, like we're like the only like kind of no offense to Mauritians, but like I would say only about five percent of the population speaks English to the level where I feel I'm happy to sort of banter with them. Uh, and, and then yeah, so yeah, uh, <laughs> don't fuck this up, Ben. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> just be cool, Ben. Just be cool. Yeah, just be cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alex, thanks for joining us. I hope I hope sure. those flapjacks were everything that you told us they would be. They were amazing. They were fantastic, and I'm gonna go and make it up to my wife because she fed me breakfast while I did my podcast. And there's a lot of house chores that need doing. Yeah, mine left me. She went to, uh, went to the your shops. wife left you. No, no, she went to the shops. Fuck, I know. Sorry. Oh. No, no, I would no. leave you too. Oh, what? Oh. Oh, sorry. Oh, to the shops. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, she went to the shops and never came back. <laughs> she went to the wedge. I, I know where she, <laughs> she went. went. She went out for a, she went out for a pack of smokes in 97. Never came back. Yeah, I, I don't know that much about dinner. I think, uh, probably try to figure out what we're going to have for dinner. Uh, if you have been listening, thank you so much, uh, for doing so. We will be back next week. I'm looking at the schedule that this, this great thing that Ben put together. Uh, we're previewing New Zealand next next week. We're hoping to have a guest for you, uh, Matt. He, he's committed to do Argentina. Uh, we, we got a, we have someone. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember who it was. Yeah, Ben's our agent. Um, someone did uh, ask to do someone did ask to do New Zealand. So cool. Well, and let's not reveal who they are just just yeah. in case they pull out. Yeah. Uh, then we got Russia, yeah, Canada. Case, uh, and then uh, September 15th, we are very excited about uh, beyond talking about the first week fixtures of the World Cup, a feature called Rugby for Noobs. So I, I apparently this is my time to shine, and I think Nicola, Nicola Gaskin, she might be joining us as well. Uh, from Matt's mate from New Zealand, so uh, we'll tell you more about that probably on the day when we figure out what we're actually doing. So um, yeah, if you have been listening, thank you very much, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>